Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Hey, good morning, everybody. So nice to see you. Please help me welcome my friend Allison to the platform this morning. This is my buddy, Allison Warren, and her and I work together at the city of Bloomington for the Bloomington core planning team. That's where we met anywhere right. a year ago. Yeah. And when we met, we realized quickly that we shared some passions together. So uh, without further ado, Allison, give us a minute of like your world, things you're passionate about, things you love, introduce yourself to the church and whoever's with you today. Absolutely. I'm Allison Warren. I am the recreation manager for the city of Bloomington, but not just that. Um, I have grown up here in Bloomington my entire life with my family, um, went off to college and came back and couldn't leave Bloomington. It's my home. And so now I have my husband, Austin, here with me and our three children, Crosby, Monroe, and Steele, ages five, three, and one. So we're busy with that. That's our passion is um, spending time here in our community, building up things for people to do, have fun out there, and really just um, spend time with others and enjoy our passions with everyone else. That's awesome. So there's a few things about being the recreation director that are much bigger than we may realize. So like how many parks do we have in our city? What places of recreation do we have that you oversee? Like just kind of give us a few Bloomington facts when it comes to recreation. So you'd think this would be hard for me, but it's very easy. So this is something I talk about often with people, that we have 97 parks here in Bloomington, if you can believe that. And we um, have, our city is over a third parkland, which is amazing for being an inner city um, ring here in Bloomington. And so we're super proud of that. We have our Bloomington Family Aquatic Center, we have Bush Lake Beach, we have the Bloomington Ice Garden, the Bloomington Center for the Arts, Dwan Golf Course, Highland Golf Course. I could go on and on and on. There's something for everyone Would you name here. all 97 parks for us? I I could try. I, could, I think I could do it. I'm only, sure you could. only in order from like one side to yeah. the other, not alphabetical. Yeah. But so this is Allison. When we met, this is exactly what Allison was talking about because everything Blooming just flow Bloomington flows right out of her. It but, does. Okay, so help us as a church understand something. You, because you're out in the city every single day, you see things that people don't see. What would you say are some things that you see that a church in the east side of Bloomington should definitely know in terms of like maybe needs or, or maybe things that people are just unaware of that would be shocking for someone to know? So again, I am a great salesperson for Bloomington. You may ask one of our friends, I might be a little too obsessed with Bloomington, but um, if you didn't know all summer long, we have free entertainment in the park every single day of the week. Monday through Sunday, there's something for anyone to do, so I like to brag about that. But as far as needs go, um, we really need staff and volunteers and people to help and get engaged because we can't do it alone. Um, you know, we're here to provide programming and fun and entertainment for all and recreation and those opportunities, but I, as much as I would love to do it alone, can't, so yeah. there's that. Um, as well as just like the need for indoor space and space for people to gather and just that opportunity. Um, Bloomington's the fourth biggest city here in Minnesota, but we don't have a lot of indoor recreation space. So that's a need too that maybe not everyone knows about. Um, but really just that place for gathering is and that opportunity and those people that make that connection is what we're looking so for. So one of the parks, one of the 97 parks that Bloomington has is Cedarcrest Park, which is our property that uh, for years now has been a partnership with the city of Bloomington, Cedarcrest Park. 
And one of the things that we've noticed over the course of at least the time that I've been here is that there's a lot of people within our neighborhood. We have, first of all, we have the only splash park in all of Bloomington. And so it's a hot spot when it's very hot, right? And so people come within the city to our splash park. And so there are days when it's hot where there are hundreds of kids and families right outside our doors. And so knowing that and knowing her passion, we thought... We've got to do something. So we've partnered together with the city of Bloomington this summer. And that's why you see this barbecue grill here, because this barbecue grill this summer will serve as uh, an opportunity for us to take care of our neighbors. We, We want to be good neighbors. We want to love on our community. So every Thursday, starting June 16th, I believe, if that's a Thursday, 12 Thursdays in a row, we will be serving a a meal, hot dog, chips, popsicle, and drink every Thursday from 11.45 until 1 p.m. for everybody who is at the park, at the Splash Park, every Thursday as as just a gift. Just we want to be good neighbors, right? And we're going to work together. The city of Bloomington has helped us put together our banners. They're covering most of the costs with some of those things. We're working together with maybe games and things for families to do. And we wanted to kind of highlight that, right? Because partnership is important to you. It's super important. Like I said, we can't do it alone. So these partnerships are things we look for to continue to provide these things to the the community and reach more people just like you. That's right. So we we realized that our passions kind of intersected when it came to the people of Bloomington. And I've told her, and now she can see for herself, that we have a wonderful church body. We have a, a very generous church body, many of which have grown up right here in Bloomington. Some of them even say that they used to hear the roars when there were touchdowns, uh, when the Minnesota Vikings were playing just a few. At Met Stadium. Uh, yep, not even a mile away. They remember yeah. the roars of the touchdowns there. So what a privilege it's been for us to have yes. uh, Allison Warren with us this morning from the city of Bloomington. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yes. It's been great to have you and your husband. And all of her children are uh, currently checked in our kids programming, which is awesome. And really that's what we're all about, right? We're about partnering with our city and doing anything we can to make an impact on those who we share a uh, community um, with. Hey, let me take a moment this morning and welcome those who are watching online. What a joy to share in this experience with you wherever you are um, today. Thank you for being a part of this experience and a, and a welcome to everybody here today. What a, what a joy to be Uh, in the house with you. I asked Nick about the jersey he was wearing today because there's a great debate out there with who is the greatest of all time, right? Michael Jordan or Charles Barkley. And I asked him, where did you get that jersey? He's my favorite NBA player. Somebody gifted that jersey to him when he was announced youth pastor at our church. So I just thought, hey, that's a nice gift. If you're wondering, what should I do for Nick? Let's keep the jersey theme going. There's a big thing on his jersey that says XL. I'm assuming that's his size. So let's take care of our youth pastor uh, in that way. So our teaching series, we're now in week number five uh, in our series of the book of Luke. And today's title is The Goat, The Greatest of All Time. That's really the theme of today's message. And I get it. Uh, This is certainly a great debate uh, in our culture today, right? Who is the goat? And depending on what category or, or what passion you have. It could be who, who's the goat, the Beatles or, or Rolling Stones, right? Or is it Picasso and, or Michelangelo, right? Or is it Michael Jordan or LeBron James, right? Is it, is it Pastor Neil or Pastor Joel Olstein? Like who is the greatest 
of all time, right? And these are things that people debate about all the time. It, it's, it's true in politics. It's true in churches. It's true in hockey. It's true in business. This stuff is true. And just, just to settle the debate, make sure you know this is where we, yeah, so, so greatest of all time, right? Who, who is it? Settle the debate for us as a church. We all agree together that it is certainly Michael Jordan, right? We just want to make sure that we know that. But, but thinking about the greatest of all time, here's what culture says. Culture says that, that uh, power or greatness is at the top. That's what culture says. And listen, it is fabricated in everyday life. Like it's on billboards, it's on advertisements, it's woven into promotions. Like, like culture has taught us and it's kind of innate in every one of us to desire to be the greatest, to, to desire to be better than somebody else, right? It's the great debate that happens in life all the time. And listen, uh, and I just need to be honest with you, like this has also been something that I struggled with. Like it's easy for someone in my role to look at others in my field and maybe play a little bit of the comparison game. Like what are they doing? Like what, what have they accomplished? Where are they doing it? And are they doing it better? And to try to keep my heart in check, right? To just stay focused on what it is that God has called me to do. Like what has God put before me and what do I need to be faithful to and how can I just maximize the things that God has given to me? And in a room this size, you just have to believe that there are some who are in this room who maybe you would say, I'm kind of guilty of... Uh, you know, wanting to climb the corporate ladder for, for the wrong motive, maybe to be, you know, to have more power, right? Or maybe you find, maybe you kind of uh, link maybe your income to your success or, or, or maybe like you have this drive within you to be, to have more power or, or maybe you've kind of done, you know, taking shortcuts to get, to get to the top or maybe you find yourself on social media playing the comparison game as well. Like maybe this, this greatness, this drive to be great, this, this thing that's inside of all of us is maybe taking its toll on you. It's exhausting to try to keep up with everybody. That's, that's the real truth. So in today's message, we are going to uh, really answer this question. What does it take to be great? Today, we're gonna to learn a lesson from Jesus. And it won't be the first time we see this picture. No, a lot of what happened last week is gonna play out in today's uh, message as well. But, but here, Jesus is going to redefine greatness. He's gonna redefine greatness in a way that's gonna challenge you and I to our core. So my challenge to you, before we get into the message is this. Let's not listen to the message and then wonder who this message best applies to. Let's listen to today's message and ask ourselves the question, how does this apply to me today? Because Jesus' definition of greatness is very different than that of the, what culture has defined greatness um, to be. But this is certainly God's way to uh, the top. So let's stand up this morning. Let's read out of the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 1 through 5. I'm sorry, 9, 46 through 48. <laughs> the book of Luke chapter 9, verse 46 through 48. For those of you who are visiting with us, just know we won't be standing up and down every time we read from the Bible. This is just a, a tradition of ours. We stand at the, you know, for the primary text. It's our way of showing reverence to God, acknowledging that this is his word. This is not man's word. This is God's word. And we recognize his full authority in his word. 
and that's the reason why we, uh, why we stand. 46. Then his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest. But Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to his side. Then he said to him, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today and we thank you for your word. We thank you for what we've already experienced in your presence. There's no question that you have already begun to work in each and every one of us. And this subject today really matters to you. This is something that really matters to you. The motive of our heart is really important to you. And so today we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would work in our hearts. Do something in us, God, that we desperately need. Maybe surface some issues in our lives that maybe we have lost sight of or forgotten of. Or maybe we're aware of it and we wrestle with these things every single day. But God, we do open our hearts wide open to you. We open our eyes wide open to you, our ears wide open to you. We want to hear clearly your voice. Lord, we just pray you would rid distraction from us so that we can focus in on what it is you're saying to us. Let this word fall on good soil today. And Lord, may our response be honoring to you. In Jesus' name we pray together. Everybody said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Like I said, this is week number five in our Luke series. Last week was week number four, and, and uh, we went through this, the story of the Pharisees and the sinful woman. And in that, we were challenged. I just remember feeling the challenge when the question was put on the teaching screen, like, what if that woman walked into this church? And I just remember thinking, like, I'm so glad our pastor has the courage to do those things, to challenge us to our core, because we are forced to wrestle with it. Uh, first individually and then to wrestle through those things um, as a church. And I just think that we are going to see some of those same things, some of those same questions, some of those same feelings that we had last week, I think are going to surface yet again. Uh, but that's the book of Luke. The book of Luke is a book of reversal, right? It's, you know, the, the book of Luke is going to challenge us to continue to keep our eyes on those who are in need. Uh, and I just love what the book is leading us down. The discussion that's coming from these messages, I think, is just so rich and so timely. So let me just begin by going through uh, our first verse, which is Luke 946. And the first part says, then his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest. And I just had to pause for a moment. And, and, and by the way, in another translation, the message translation, rather than saying which of them was the greatest, it says which of them was most famous. And I just had to think, and, and here's the question that I asked. I asked, what happened? Let's just just a few chapters ago, just a few chapters ago, and, and it's not like five days ago, maybe a year or so ago, but, but let, let me just remind you of some of these things. Okay, so chapter five, here we see Peter on the boat with Jesus. You'll remember the story when Jesus tells Peter to put down his nets, remember, and then commands every fish in the lake to get in that net, and the nets were so full, they began to bust, the, the, the boats about sank, so they called in other boats, and they shared the fish with everybody. You remember the story? Do you remember Peter's reaction when he was just awestruck? He could not believe what Jesus had just done, and his response was, I am a sinner. I cannot even be near you. I mean, absolutely humbled, right? Uh, after 
chapter five, you see where, where, where this man has a, a child who is possessed and, and they bring this person to the disciples and the disciples are unable to cast the demons out of, of the child. Do you remember this story? And Jesus is frustrated, like, why can't you do this? They failed, they failed. And then, and then we have this great miracle of Jesus just preparing this amazing banquet, right? Feeding 5,000 men. So maybe with families and children, we're at 15 to 20,000 people and they're all hungry and they're following Jesus everywhere. And the disciples are telling Jesus, let's get away from these people. And Jesus says, no, let's turn this into a banquet. Remember he gets the five loaves, the two fish, and he begins to pull it apart. And now, now they're sitting in groups of 50, this amazing feast breaks out, right? These faithless disciples, right? Jesus kind of shows them up and, and, and makes a meal for everybody, right? This great miracle happens. And then, and then we read about the storm. Remember the, the, the scary storm when it was lightning and water came into the boat and Jesus is down on the bottom sleeping. You remember the story? And, and the disciples run to Jesus in fear of the storm and they wake him up and they tell Jesus, please tell this storm to stop. Please tell this storm to stop. And Jesus wakes up and he actually tells the storm to stop and the storm stops and they're in awe yet again. Okay, so these are the same people People. These are the same people who, 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 who did this. They actually forgot where they came from. They're arguing about who's the greatest. And they, have, they just have this record of like failing and failing and failing, yet they're arguing about who's the greatest. Maybe they're arguing about who's the greatest because Jesus has now kind of uh, predicted his death. And so maybe they think when he goes, who takes his place? Maybe one of us. Maybe when Jesus pulls Peter, James, and John aside, maybe they think Jesus has this ranking system. And so maybe they're wondering who's number one. So they're arguing about who is the greatest, and they forgot where they came from. And we're singing this morning that song, there is joy, 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 right? And then, but there's a verse in there, and here's where we get all messed up. The verse says, we were the beggars, now we're royalty. And that's like exactly what happens. We were the beggars, and now we're royalty. You're not royalty because you're the king, you're royalty because you're son of the king. And Jesus is flustered because he's like, wait a second, you're arguing about who's the greatest. Don't forget where you came from. Man, it's so easy for us to do this, like in the church. You used to be something, but you weren't this. And, and now you've been in this thing so long that if that woman actually did walk into the church, you might have this notion of like, what is she doing here? When we sing these songs, we, we need to be careful that, that we actually understand what we're actually singing. It, it doesn't mean we used to be beggars and now we're royalty, like now we're untouchable people. That's not what he's, that's not what the, the, the intent, the motive of the song. We're only royalty because of what God has done, nothing that we have done. And our job now is because we are saved, because we are now children of the king, is to now go and feed the beggars, to go and do for others what others have done for us. So you can imagine Jesus' frustration when it comes to hearing them argue about who's the greatest. I mean, Jesus could have said, you're looking at the greatest. I am the only one who is great. Stay humble. Anyway, so then the verse goes on to say, but Jesus knew their thoughts and, and, and we know that he did. 
He knew their thoughts and he knows our thoughts. He knows, he knows the motives of our hearts. He knew, okay, I need to teach on this yet again. I need to help them understand this vital, vital lesson in life. And I think it's so appropriate that today we also learn this vital, vital lesson to a church, to, to an individual who, who would say, I'm a believer of Christ. So he brought this little child to um, his side. And in today's culture, it would be so difficult for us to understand why a child, because we just love children, right? I mean, we, our lives are, are just all about children. Like we love our kids, they're amazing. But in, in, in context, that's not the view of a child. So, so the question is, so then why a child? Why a child? Why would Jesus bring a child and, and, and place him next to him? What, what, what picture is he trying to paint? This is a visual aid. This is how Jesus is gonna challenge their argument. He brings a child. So it's important to note that children in, in, in context here were viewed as second-class citizens. I would say maybe today we go find somebody who's living under a bridge and has been there for years. And maybe it's been a long, long time since they've had a shower and since they've had something to eat. And maybe they've reached a place of desperation where they're willing to maybe, uh, you know, go outside of like what we would consider dignity and ask for food and, and maybe, maybe steal something or just whatever it takes to survive. Like maybe whoever you would consider as maybe like really low class citizen, whoever that is for you, that's who like the child would be in the story. And it's amazing to me because in worship, I had this thought of like, wow, just, just last week, just a few days ago, Jesus had the same picture, but it was Jesus and a sinful woman. Now it's Jesus and a child, but it's the same view of both. So now Jesus has this child and he, and he goes on to say uh, this to the disciples. Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. That word welcomes, depending on what translation you read, can be welcomes or accepts or serves. So Jesus last week said, Anyone who welcomes a woman like this welcomes me. Today's story is anyone who welcomes a child like this serves me. Like if you can do for them what you would do for me, then that's greatness to me. It's easy for anybody to serve the higher rank. The challenge is can you serve the lower rank? The challenge is, can you get down to like ground level to the hurting, the broken, the hungry, the needy, the naked, the sinful, the second class, and can you do for them what you would do for Jesus? Because we can all put on our best for Jesus. We can all say the right things. We all know the Christian language. We all know how to sing and raise our hands and look like it's all going on. We can all do that. But, but I'm not sure we can all go down to the lowest level where those people are, whoever those people are in your mind, and serve them the way you would serve Jesus. And then he goes on to say, and anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my father who sent me. So he like ties a string from the child through himself to the father. And he's painting this picture right before the disciples. But the punchline comes at the end of this little object lesson when he says, whoever is the least among you 
is actually the greatest. What is Jesus, what is he really saying here? What is the, the bullseye of the object lesson? What is he really trying to say? What he's really trying to say is your care for others is a measure of your greatness. See, it's an upside down kingdom. It, it, if, if you're thinking what is culture's greatness kingdom look like, it will really skew what God's kingdom looks like. It's an upside down kingdom. He says things like the first will be last and the last will be first. What is he really saying here? Question for you, and this will help you measure your own greatness. Have you expressed your care for others lately, especially the helpless, the needy, the poor, those who can't repay you? Because your honest answer to that question will give you a good idea of your real greatness. How have you expressed your care for others lately, especially the helpless, the needy, the poor, those who cannot repay you? In the book of Philippians chapter five, you can go there. I don't have this on the screen, but I plan to read this to you. Towards the end of the Bible, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philippians chapter five. And here in this text, we find Paul writing a letter to the church of Philippi. I'm sorry, it's it's chapter two. I was going to add another chapter to the book, but since it's already here, we'll just use that one. <laughs> Philippians chapter two. And I just wanna to read to you, this is how Paul went about teaching the church concerning this issue. Here, here is such a great picture of how we should be living our life every day as followers of Christ. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And then here's where we see the rise to greatness. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the goat, the name above all other names. That's God's kingdom. 
That's how you become great in God's kingdom by taking on the form of a servant. In heaven's eyes, you're highly exalted. In God's kingdom, when you choose to serve the needs of other people, you are highly exalted. And so a servant is known by the role that they take. Like check the motive of your heart. Maybe the ranking, do you have to be first? Do you feel like if you're not first, not chosen, not selected, does it affect you? Like does it affect your pride a little bit? Because a servant is known by the role that they take. Are you willing to do whatever? Is there, is, there, is there a role that you're like, that's just too far below me? In the ministry, listen, there is no job below any of us. We're willing to do whatever it takes for the sake of the cross. And maybe in your own workplace, maybe if you're the boss, maybe, maybe it's going and doing the work of the janitor for a little bit to help your heart be healthy, to, to give you appreciation for those who maybe do that role every single day and never get appreciation or, or accolades. Maybe it's the way we serve. A servant is known by the way they serve, this humble spirit, right? It's how you go about your work, not just doing the work, but it's how you go about your work and the spirit by which we serve. I mean, that's really what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a spirit that reflects the attitude of Jesus. The attitude of Jesus. And, and listen, our, our prep team, they're so awesome. They thought this would be a great time for us to do exactly this, to recognize caregivers in our church, first responders, those of you who work service jobs, those of you plumbers and electricians and HVAC and housekeeping and, and chaplains, all of you who serve the needs of other people every single day. Thank you for all that you do for other people. God bless you. God bless you for what you do for the way that you do it every single day. The way that you do it every single day, so much of what you do goes unseen, unnoticed, the care that you provide, the way that you preserve somebody's dignity, the way you go about loving people who are not related to you and you go far above your pay grade, you go above and beyond what is asked of you because you care for people. Thank you, thank you for what you do. And, 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 and the, the mission, the, the heart's message for you all today as a church is this. We are never more like Jesus than when you serve the needs of other people. You are never more like Jesus than when you are aware of the people around you who are hurting and, and, and need help. You're never more like Jesus when you're willing to step outside of your rank or step outside of your position or step outside of whoever you think you are and become like everybody else. Jesus, this, this, this picture that Luke continues to paint for us is this picture that we ought to continue to look to the poor and the hurting and the broken and Jesus' way of gathering people and sharing a meal with people and allowing people to come and wash his feet with their hair, uh, with, with their tears and dry it with their hair or taking a child who represents second class citizens and drawing this picture for people to see how important it is that we live humbly, how we care for other people, how we're more aware of what other people are going through in our 
life. And so our big so what for today is this. Greatness is posture, not position. Greatness is posture of the heart, motive of the heart. That's greatness. The greatness within each and every one of you is measured internally. It's not what you do that people see, it's what you do that people don't see, that he sees. That's a measure of greatness. So let's not get caught up into what culture defines as being great. Be careful when you see billboards and marketing and all this talk about being on top, especially when you have to walk on top of people to get to the top. Let's be careful. Let's refrain from doing that. That is not Christ-like behavior. That's not how God goes about getting to the top. No, it's an upside down kingdom. If you want to be great, start paying attention to those who are still begging. Don't forget, you sang this morning, we were the beggars, now we are royalty. Not because of something you or I did, my friend, only, only because of what God has done in you. Are you no longer in that situation? But let's never forget where we come from, what God delivered you from, what God is still bringing you out of. So important to every one of us. And so I thought, in a room this size, there's just no way unless you're willing to lie to yourself that you would say, I don't have that issue. That's just not me. I think it's true that to some degree, this is a struggle for everybody. It's so easy to drift away from that humble spirit and get caught up in your own world. It's so easy for everybody to drift away from that place, that posture of humility. It's so easy and to start focusing on yourself and your own needs and what you need and what your children need and your own pain and your own brokenness. It's easy for us all to do that. It's so easy to see the guy on the side of the road with a sign and say, oh, I know what you do with my money. That's why I don't give it to them. I never do that. They're, you know their BMWs right around the corner. It's so easy for us to all do that. That's not God's heart. We need to go back to that moment when we were sitting in the boat with Jesus and he did this great miracle saving your life when you were awestruck with who he was for you that day. And you were so humbled by it, you said, Jesus, I can stand to even be around you. I'm a sinner, I am a sinner, I am the lowest of the low. Why would you do that for me? We need to go back to that spot. We need to go back to that spot in our life because we have drifted from that. And so we're gonna do a corporate confession. If you'd like to participate, I've written a corporate confession that we will all confess together because I think it's for everybody. So that's gonna be our first response, a corporate one. And then secondly, we're gonna have one for individuals. So the first one is if you'd like to participate with me and if this is really the prayer of your heart, I'd like for you to close your eyes and bow your head and I want you to repeat this with me. Heavenly Father, Holy God, creator of the heavens and the earth. Thank you for Jesus, our savior and our Lord. Today we acknowledge our sin and confess that we too have drifted away from the posture of a humble servant. We have often lost the heart 
to care for the poor, the broken, the hurting, and the lost. We ask you to forgive us, to cleanse us from unrighteousness, and to restore to us a heart and a mind that reflects you and to live according to the model that Jesus showed for us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.